What's up, fam? You have joined Conversations with Randy B, where we have real conversations about all things Black. Let's get it started. Today, I'm speaking with Greg Taylor, longtime educator, writer, and equity and diversity facilitator. Today is your, was your very first day back in the virtual classroom, <laughs> not real classroom. classroom. Let me ask you this, and we know that being virtual is going to change education and how you're teaching and how the kids are feeling and how you connect with them. But how do you feel what's been happening on the social justice front? Like, how do you feel that things are different or if you think they're different at all since the George Floyd murder and the protests in this country? So I think one thing more people are involved, uh, if not for anything else, because we were sort of stuck indoors during the time of George Floyd's murder and then Breonna Taylor not too far after that. So I think, you know, everybody was kind of stuck indoors. There was nothing to do. And then we had these images playing, played on uh, uh, television day after day after day. So people couldn't run away from those images like they usually do and say, well, you know, maybe if he just complied or, you know, uh, any other other excuses they come up with. So I think everybody is just more involved right now. And I think it was a perfect time, uh, perfect timing, I guess, when it was just about the time that people were being let out of quarantine and let out of, you know, the shelter in place. So everybody had all this energy built up anyway. And it was just a matter of, you know, how were you gonna apply that energy? Uh, we saw some people apply the energy by going the opposite way. You know, they decided they were gonna uh, still confront and call the police on black people just existing in white spaces. Uh, yeah, but there's been a lot of that, and not yeah. and not stopping it seems. Right. I mean, it, it's a, it's almost like yeah, everybody's under pressure. Everybody had a. Uh, was trying to deal with the pandemic. Everybody was trying to deal with, you know, all the emotions and the, uh, the stress that comes with being stuck indoors. And it was it's just a way of, it was a matter of, you know, how are you going to deal with it? Some people came out but, and they- But what I'm asking you is, the student you you're, you met today, the students that you're dealing with today on the whole, do you think that they're, stu they're different than the students you've dealt with in past years, as far as even how they are emotionally? Like today, do you think that you are having to be more aware of your students' feelings because, or, you know, because they're in some way different? Because what I would think is that there's a greater sensitivity and stress between students. But I mean, let, tell me what you, what you feel. So, uh, one thing I, you know, and I teach the little ones, you know, I'm still elementary. Mm -hmm. But one thing I do know is that because everybody's plugged in to the internet and because, you know, the world is pretty much at your fingertips, our kids tend to see things and experience things that they really shouldn't experience because they, you know, they, they're watching it on the internet and they've been part of it. So how that translates in the classroom is you have these still nine, 10 year olds who've experienced these very adult things, either through the internet or, you know, by watching television or by adults talking about different things. So they're dealing with the same stresses that we deal with uh, as adults. 
so that social emotional learning is a huge, huge component to what we're doing now. Uh, these, you know, the same stresses that we're dealing with, our students are dealing with them, and even more so. Uh, Why yeah, do you I say because uh, as an adult, you know, I'm, I'm financially established, you know, I was lucky that I was in the industry where we could go virtual, but we've heard horror stories about students who were, who've, uh, who've lost, lost parents during the pandemic. We've uh, heard horror stories about entire families who've been uh, lost their homes, parents who've lost their jobs, parents who gone to live with another relative and you know the, the relative ends up uh, getting sick so you know the entire family's being displaced so these again nine ten year old students these kids are, are dealing with all of those things and seeing all of those things uh, and now you know we're starting up school again and you know we again we're not there in person like we usually are uh, you know, and uh, I just feel like, you know, we have to support the kids emotionally now more than ever uh, because they're, they're, you know, they're seeing these things, they're experiencing these things, and they really, they don't have, you know, they're not developed or in a developmental stage where they can process them as well as, you know, adults can. And adults and so are what does that mean for you as a teacher to support students more emotionally? And particularly now that you're virtual, I mean, what does that mean? What does that look like? So how it looks is uh, we do more morning meetings. We do lunch groups. Uh, we check in in the, the morning. We check in in the afternoon. Uh, we're making sure students are able to, you know, put in place mechanisms where students can actually say, hey, I'm not feeling well. I need to see, you know, I need to talk to the counselor because the counselors are still doing sessions. Uh, then they're, they're still doing one-on-one -on -one sessions via Zoom. Uh, we're having to talk to our pupil personnel uh, worker who is in contact with students who aren't connecting and trying to figure out, okay, is it a matter of, uh, you know, are they, is the family displaced? Uh, is it a technology issue? Uh, because, you know, my district is one of the largest districts in the country, actually. Uh, with over 231 schools all together and, you know, over, I think, almost 20,000 employees. Uh, so we have hundreds of thousands of students. Uh, so going one-to-one -one with the technology is difficult just, you know, from a money standpoint. So it's all those things where we have to be very intentional about uh, supporting the students socially and emotionally at this time. And at the same time, taking care of ourselves because we're still going through the same thing. Right. Teachers have our own kids and we have our own families, our own spouses, our own houses, everything that we're trying to deal with as well. Um, well, let me ask you this. Um, when you say taking care of them, do you think that, and you say, you know, checking in with them, do you think that people should be having direct conversations about what's happening, even on the elementary school level, like should, uh, should a parent and a teacher, you know, differently, I mean, at different times be talking to their kids about, you know, social justice or the, the election or, um, you know, co the coronavirus, like, should those conversations, like real conversations about what's happening happen? 
because I find that people definitely try to skirt issues. You know, I know I was always very direct with my kids, even when they were young. And I don't know if that was the right thing. Like, what, what, what do you think? You know, some of the things, you know, we're restricted about what we can actually talk about, uh, especially with, uh, you know, without a parent sitting there, you know, parent consent. Uh, but, you know, when, when students come to me and say, hey, Mr. Taylor, did you see what happened last night to, to George Floyd? You know, or, or one of the similar incidents. You know, we, we talk about that. And, you know, we talk about, well, how, do, how does that make you feel? Uh, you can't run away from it because the students are, you know, they're seeing it and they're experiencing it. And the same emotions that we have, they have too. Uh, and the same way we're confused about some of these incidents, they are even more so. Uh, and it's always been my sort of practice, like when a student wants to talk about something, you know, I'll listen and uh, respond as much as I can. And if it goes to a point where it's getting too personal or, you know, getting beyond the realm of what we're supposed to be talking about, then I'll refer them to the counselor. And um, do you think that parents should have conversations, certain conversations with their children? I definitely do as much as possible. Like, uh, let's, talk, let's talk about the issues with uh, race and George Floyd. What conversations do you think parents should be having with their kids? I'm having conversations. Yeah, you know, I have older kids, so I actually right. have two two adults and high school kids. But even in, you know, when they were in elementary and middle school, we talked about social justice issues because they were coming home every day and saying, "Hey, this happened to me today." You know, what do you what do you think about it? And we talked through it, and it's you know, it's got to the point where my youngest is, you know. Now she's the one who's, who's telling me, hey, this is how I think you should respond to this. <laughs> so she's turned into, you know, a little activist in her own right, so. Mm -hmm. But what, what, like, if you, if you were, if there are parents out there right now, and they're like, what do I say to my kids about what's happening? Like, whether it be elementary or high school, probably different advice, would you say to a parent, like, yeah, you should talk to your kids? And what should they say? I mean, should they say that this the police officer murdered George, George Floyd? I mean, what should they say? I would say be as honest with your children as you possibly can. Uh, as much as you know about the situation and as much as you understand the situation, don't be afraid to discuss it with them. The fact that they're coming to you and telling, that, telling you that, you know, they're having an issue with one of these incidents you know, that, that lets you know that, hey, you know, really need to talk about it. And I kind of think about it as, you know, when you're younger, you get to a point and you want to have a conversation with your parents about like sex, sex at that point. Uh, you know, if, the, if a child is asking, if they're inquiring about it, you better talk, you better have that conversation. Mm -hmm. And you better not say, well, hey, mm -hmm. you're only eight or nine. If they're asking, then there's something going on or there's something that they've seen that they're, they, they're not processing. Uh, properly and then you know you, you can't be so shut off with you know hey you're too young to understand this with you know if if they come to you with the problem you you better deal with it head on because otherwise they're going to seek answers from somebody else and uh, the other person or whoever they seek the answers from may not be qualified or may not hold your same value system so you need to talk to them as, as best you can
And if, if you should approach them to start the conversation. Would I approach them? You know, I, I think about like when I was coming up, you know, everybody gets to talk about the police. Uh, where, you know, your, your parents or your grandparents or your older siblings or somebody sits and tells you what happens or what you should do or what you better do when you get stopped by the police, not if. Uh, I remember, you know, my father sitting me down, my grandmother sitting me down. I also remember my older siblings, even the guys in the neighborhood. Uh, they used to be police officers who would come around and uh, basically try to get buddy-buddy with all the young men in the, the neighborhood. But really what they were doing was trying to goose them for information. So I remember the older guys, you know, even when I was like probably like seven or eight, you know, one of the officers, uh, hey, you know, hey, little guy, you know, what's your name? And I remember the older guy pulling me away, saying, man, don't talk to him, don't talk to him. Uh, and in that case, with that particular officer, you know, that was warranted. But there were other officers that, you know, we, we encountered that where it wasn't a, a big deal. And even my father for a time was a police officer. So he knew, you know, what goes on if you get stopped, when you get stopped. Uh, so we all had that talk back then about what, you know, how you, how you need to act when you get pulled over, uh, how you need to act if you get stopped on the street. So those conversations, you know, they're sort of embedded with our experience in this country. There's certain uh -huh. navigation and, and skills. And do you think, though, that that's something that's been a part of the Black experience, but that maybe white parents need to start talking to their children about race matters? I mean, maybe in a different, from a different perspective, but they should be talking to their kids about race? I think one thing, white people have to learn how to recognize race. So many people that I talk to, so many uh, people that I've gone to school with or I've worked with, uh, when we've gone through this kind of equity training or when we've had conversations about this, you know, my white friends, white acquaintances, you know, that's not something that they do around the dinner table. That's not something that they've had to do. Right. And if, any, if anything, they've been taught to avoid talking about race at all costs. Uh, so, you know, what they need to understand, though, is that we're all still part of the same system. You know, America is a pretty much a white supremacist society. Mm -hmm. And whether you're a minority or whether you're white, you're still being affected by it. You may not realize it, but you're still part of it. So you need to recognize how race plays a role in just everyday life in America, whether you're black or not. Uh, now, how that becomes the norm, yeah, I, I don't know how we do that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. Well, you know, it's funny because it's something that I'm trying to get people to understand because the world is changing. So, you know, white people may not have needed to talk about it, but they certainly have to talk about it now because the world is becoming more increasingly diverse. And so it's not going to be a world where white kids and white adults can say things and get away with them the way they used to. Exactly. And if nothing else, uh, 
you know, it's, it's, it becomes sort of a self-preservation thing, like you say. Right. You know, even if the conversation starts with, hey, you can't say that anymore because look what's happening to this person who called the police on the guy who was in the park. Or, you know, you can't do that anymore because look what happened to the guy who said the N-word, you know, he lost his business. You know, or exactly. he lost business. So, it, you know, we have to make it tangible. Everybody has to make it tangible to their their children and tangible, you know, around the dinner table. Like, here's the consequences of this. For us, it was, here's the consequences of what can happen to you when you get stopped by the police. Um, so these are the things that you need to do to make sure that you get out of that encounter alive and in one piece. Uh, so I see for white people, this the same type of thing. You know, hear things that you can't do, and if you do do, you know, expect these consequences. And, and the good thing right now is that everybody has a camera on their in their pocket. Everybody has a camera. Everybody has a camera. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's always this objective witness right there uh, that still people look at the videos afterwards and try to justify behavior on one one way or the other so but the camera's everywhere so we're not going to escape that and nobody wants to be the next uh be in the next viral video nobody wants to be <laughs> no. so if you had some advice that you would give to all parents this year considering what's happening with the pandemic and the social justice issues um, and things, what what would be your advice you'd give to parents at the start of the school year? So the main thing I would say for parents is to make sure that you're taking care of your own mental health and that you're confronting your own mental health. Because a lot of us carry uh, this generational trauma around with us. And a lot of us have been raised by people who had this generational trauma that they uh, sort of held in. So the main thing is to look at your own physical and mental health and make sure that you're okay. Uh, because, you know, we're, we're passing this stuff down to our kids without realizing it. And then, you know, anytime your, your kids come to you with an issue, do more listening than talking. Uh, because if they're coming to you with an issue, then they've thought about it and they've seen something or that something has happened to them where, you know, they're trying to process it and they're coming to you for help. That's good advice. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I, I, I appreciate your time. I know you've worked like you've been teaching all day. <laughs> actually, this is the pre-service week. So we've been in meetings all day talking about oh, all the Oh, that makes it even we... worse, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's all the good things that we're going to do when the students are coming. But at the same time, we're flying the plane and building it uh, while we're doing it. So. Um, and I think that's something that parents do need to recognize is that you guys are trying to figure this stuff out just as they are. This is y'all didn't have a plan. Nobody had a plan for this world that we're living in right now. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, it's an exciting time uh, because, you know, we're sort of standing on the, the cusp of, you know, here's a, a new way of doing things and we get to build a new way of doing things. And to be honest with you, the virtual learning, I think, has helped a lot of African-American kids, the ones that do have access. For example, nobody's getting discipline referrals right now. 
There oh, are no interesting. There are no police officers in your home. Uh, you know, anytime a teacher has an issue with you and doesn't know how to deal with you, they call the resource officer to the room to solve it. So that school to prison pipeline has been disrupted by distance learning. Mm. Uh, you know, everybody is getting equal, you know, if you have access, and that's the thing, we have to make sure the students have equal access to be able to, to get into the virtual lessons. But once you're there, everybody's getting the same lesson, everybody's getting the same attention, everybody's getting, uh, you know, pretty much an equal shake. And that's not always the case, and it hasn't been the case. You know, if you look around, you know, forever, we've had a, an achievement gap that's pre predictable by race, predictable by socioeconomic status. And just like COVID is exposing, uh, you know, the, the the sort of dents in the system, uh, this does too. You know, same thing. If, if your socioeconomic status isn't the same as your students, then well, you're going to have trouble accessing lessons right now. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of the things that went on in school is not happening now to some African-American students. Now kids aren't getting suspended because they can't sit still or they won't sit still. Uh, you know, students aren't getting suspended because they're, you know, just being, just being boys, you know, just being girls who don't want to sit still, don't want to sit and listen to a lecture. The lessons have to be interactive now. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a lot of what we were doing in schools and a lot of what we have done in schools for hundreds of years, you know, it's, it's being forced to be changed right now. And a lot of the practices and a lot of the things that we've done to minority students, it's just in the virtual world, it's just not happening. That is a really good point. I never, I had not thought of that. That's a really good uh, point about what, how the, those things have changed. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, we'll end on that note. I appreciate your time. <laughs> you too. Happy beginning of school. <laughs> you too. And Good luck and with we'll your... Talk, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk, I'm, you know, I, told, I already told you I want you to be back regularly, so we'll talk real soon. Well, that's a wrap, fam, with this episode of Conversations with Randy B. We will chat with you next time. In the meantime, you can find me at randyb.net, randy underscore underscore b on Instagram, or randyb on Facebook. Catch up with you later. Take care until then.